Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. We are on almost our 40th episode. I think this might be 39. It's either 38 or 39. We are um, in 2 Kings. We're ripping through the New Testament epistles. We're just starting Hebrews. We finished 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and Hebrews. Uh, and then we're still in Hosea. We've, we will move out of that next week. It's been a busy week. I got to be a guest on the Gold Digger podcast show with Amber Hogan Jones. We talked about God, sex, and us. <laughs> I still need to listen to it. It was a lot of fun. Um, surprised your name came up. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, well, she was, I think the first question was whether, uh, how <laughs> I interpret the book of Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And so I shared that it was doing the recap with you that I kind of, was challenged to read it a different way than I had been reading it. So that was cool. And then, and then this week we, last week we recorded our episode with Amber for the Dive Collective podcast. And I edited that yesterday and it's really good, like really good. So good. Yeah. I'm excited about that one going out. That's going to go out sometime soon. So there's that to look forward to. And what else? Oh, the Bible studies are good. They were small. Was, we had a small group this week. I wonder if it's because of the election. There was some stuff in this week that was like, not so kind of surprising, just I don't remember encountering before. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about Philemon. Okay. I'm going to say Philemon because that's how I always said it. I loved Philemon. And I think the reason I loved it is because I read a little bit of background info about it before I read it. And it made me love it even more. (laughs) Paul's tongue in cheek or um, his attitude in it is so unique. Like you don't see it really in other places. And I love it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Starting in second Kings 13. So in 13, this was one of the things that I have written down. So Jehoahaz is this like terrible king, right? He did evil at the beginning of 13. He does what's evil in the Lord's sight um, and follows the sins of the other kings. But then he seeks the Lord's favor and God hears him and gives them this, it's like this little time period of peace, right? Like he hears them. The Lord gave Israel a deliverer and they escaped from the power of the Arameans. And then they go back to doing what they did before. Yeah, it's just like one brief sentence. Right. But then at the end of chapter 13, King Hazael of Aram opposed Israel, oppressed Israel throughout the reign of Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and turned toward them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was not willing to destroy them. Even mm-hmm. now, he hasn't banished them from his presence. And it totally made me think of that passage in Daniel that I'm pretty sure was from 
last week where God does what he does, not based on man's righteous acts, but on his compassion. That was just popping in my mind as I was reading that. The idea that Jehoahaz was evil. Like he doesn't, he's not following God's law or, and then he seeks the Lord's favor, but probably with an ulterior motive, right? Like, it's not like he's doing it because it's the right thing to do. He's most likely doing it because he's trying to, he's trying to get out, out from under the oppression of this other king and God has compassion on them because of his covenant with Abraham. And I don't remember if it's in second Kings where we see it or it was in Hosea. That was a similar. I opened up to Hosea because that's okay, the, go ahead. the one I main thing that I got there. out of Hosea. Hey guys, it's November. There's rain outside my window and it's starting to feel a lot like the holidays. This is the time of year when we get ready to share gifts and seeing as how that's one of the things we love to do all year long here at Dive Collective, we have a fun announcement to make. This past week, I got to interview one of our members who has an incredible podcast show called The Gold Digger. Her name is Amber Hogan-Jones, and she likes to share the gold in every story. We're going to be highlighting her story and her ministry on the Dive Collective podcast, so make sure to check that out when it releases this week. Also, don't forget you can sign up for Weekly Truths and get them directly to your inbox each week at divecollective.org. While you're there, don't forget to download the Bible reading plan. Opened up to Hosea because that's okay, the, go ahead. the one I main thing that I got there. out of Hosea chapter 11. It starts out at the beginning. He says, but when others called him, he ran off and let me. He's talking about Israel. He ran off and left me. This is God. And he, God yes. is talking about Israel. He yep, played at religion with toy God. Still, I stuck with him. I led Ephraim. I rescued him from human bondage, but he never acknowledged my help, never admitted that I was the one pulling his wagon. I love that for translation. Mm-hmm. And then at the Are end. Are you starting at the beginning? I started at the 11? beginning. Yeah. Okay. I started at the beginning because this is God talking to Israel and he's telling them what he's done. And he's like, just kind of yeah. like, I'm going to jump down now um, somewhere in probably towards nine may, might be actually verse nine. It says, I can't bear to even think such thoughts. He basically says, um, how can I give up on you? Yes. How can I turn you loose Israel? How can I leave you to be ruined? Like Adma devastated by luckless Zeboim. I can't bear to even think such thoughts. My insides churn in protest. This is our God. Like God is, this is how God feels about us. And so I'm not going to act on my anger. I'm not going to destroy Ephraim. And why? Because I am God and not a human. I'm the Holy One and I'm here in your very midst. Yes. This is the story you're telling. It's yes. It's unbelievable. So I have that whole section underlined too, because at the beginning of verse eight, where he says, how can I give you up Ephraim? How can I surrender you Israel? I like, I just feel like I hear so much of his heart in that. Like, how can I do this? Like, how can I give you up when I've already, you're my people. I've chosen you. I can't turn my back on you because I love you too much. Jose is one of the most beautiful books I've ever oh, yeah. read. In all this time, I've never read Hosea like this. I don't know. Mm, yeah, I, I haven't read know. it. And really. like I said, I've read Redeeming Love. We've talked about that, mm-hmm. but this is this is so beautiful and it's beautiful because we're reading it with second Kings. I mean, there's yes. no doubt in my mind that everything about this is standing out because I'm reading, we're reading these stories of these Kings that just go back and forth between mostly unfaithful. And then if like a season of faithfulness or calling out to him, mostly unfaithful. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the time period that God is like, okay, Hosea, I want you to take a whore for a wife because this is yeah. the picture that I need to paint for you guys. Not only that, but oh my gosh. And then 
at the same time we're reading Mark and we're studying Mark, which is unbelievable because Mark chapter 12, that entire chapter starts out with the parable of the vineyard. And it's the first parable that the Pharisees understand. They knew he was speaking against them, but he's talking about how I sent servant after servant. The first servant you beat and you sent him away. The second servant you struck on the head and you sent him away. The next one you killed and you sent away. And then you beat some and you killed some and you beat some and you killed some. And this is Hosea, like he's talking about his prophets. And then he said, and then I sent, I had one left and I sent my own son because surely they aren't going to hurt right. my son. This whole thread that he's pulling out, um, in all of these books from lining up second Kings and the exact time that Hosea, that God calls Hosea mm-hmm. to then painting this picture of what God did by building this vineyard for us as his tenant farmers. And then he sends people to, he sends people to us. And Hosea is one of those people that he sends. And he's like, mm-hmm. this is, God wants you to know how he feels about you. He mm-hmm. wants you to know that he's watching. He wants you to know that while he's left and he's gone away to a faraway country, he hasn't taken his eyes off of it. He's never forgotten how much he loves and cares for his nation, his people. Yeah. So good. Yeah. That's still like, it just boggles my mind how all of those, they all it together. all fits together. Yeah. So that was the other thing this week, second Kings, there's a section in second Kings that's almost identical to it's Isaiah 37. I think the whole Hezekiah story, second Kings 18, this sounds familiar, but it, I don't remember like this didn't hit me when I read Isaiah the way it hit me this time, maybe because I just read it in Isaiah, but I also forget sometimes that second Kings goes like, it's the same time as the prophets, like, which all I, I don't know what we're doing. If we're going to do the same Bible reading plan next year, we probably will, but I want to read chronologically through the Bible so badly Mm. so that I can line everything up. I'm doing a lot of flipping to try to line up all the timelines. And that's really interesting to me, but I was flipping back and forth between second Kings and Isaiah 37 this week. And it's almost identical. So Hezekiah goes and he seeks Isaiah's counsel. And Hezekiah is this King who he is serving the Lord. He's a godly King. And he is, he doesn't just serve God. Like he knocks down, he's one of the only Kings that actually gets rid of everything, all of the worship places yes. that are, yeah, that are worshiping these other gods. He gets rid of everything, but um, Assyria is coming to invade them. And Assyria shows up and basically says, Hey, you should just surrender to us because we've taken over all these other places and you don't have a chance. Yes. And you're saying that your God is going to save you, but everyone else said their gods were going to save them. So your God's yes. not going to save you. Like they show up, they're basically trying to talk Hezekiah into just surrendering because they're like, yeah. you don't have a chance. You, you think your God's going to save you, but your God is just like all the other gods. So then Hezekiah goes and he talks to Isaiah and Isaiah basically says, don't be afraid. Like God's got you covered for this. Um, then like that section in 19, it's, it's second Kings 19. That's almost exactly like Isaiah 37 and it goes through Hezekiah's prayer and then what God says to them through Isaiah and then Sennacherib is, so God sends an angel um, into the Assyrian camp and like hundreds, a couple over a hundred thousand people are killed and the Assyrians wake up to all of their soldiers dead and they run away in defeat. And then Sennacherib, who's the guy that was threatening them in the first place, like one of, he was like this, the spokesman, the Royal spokesman, mm-hmm. he ends up being killed. But anyway, I just, I mean, it's, it's cool to see how God worked through Hezekiah, 
but also just to see how they're exactly the same, those passages. Like we get the story twice and it's so similar. But then, so next week we'll read about Hezekiah's illness because he kind of like, if I remember correctly from Isaiah, he tanks a little bit at the end. Yeah, yeah. So next week in Second Kings, we read about his illness, but maybe we don't read about that part specifically. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Did you ever realize before, mm. this is in 17, that the bronze snake that Moses used? Yes. They end up worshiping it? Nope, I've never seen that before. This no, is the first me neither. Time. I was like, what? So yeah, I've got lots to say about that. Yes. I just, it. I just, I had never... He destroyed it, it, right? Yes. Hezekiah destroys it. Which I, oh my gosh, that's the, that is so powerful that Hezekiah recognized God would be so, that he recognized that this thing that God used to do a mighty Mm -hmm. act had no power, had no value to God whatsoever. Do you mean like that's how, this is what we do. We make relics out of things Mm -hmm. that God uses and we treat it as sacred as if it, as if it holds power. Yes. Such a great, oh, that's so good. I was going, I like, that's, I was thinking same along the same lines, but just that idea that we are so as humanity prone to worship the gift instead of the giver. Like we completely disregard the fact that everything we have that's good comes is a result of God and his love for us. And we turn those things into something powerful and meaningful when that is not the point ever. Yes. Ever the point. And God would rather us just never use the gift. Yeah. It's going to cause us to worship it. Yeah. Then to take the gift, use it and then make it the, make it the thing we worship. Yeah. Yep. That is such a great takeaway. I love that so much. All right. Do you have anything from Hosea besides what we talked about? Uh, six is so pretty. Just that, especially the beginning where they're talking about returning to the Lord. He has torn us and he will. Actually, can you read that to me in your message version? The very beginning of chapter six. My note before I read it, it says, this is the God Naomi knows and went back to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So chapter six, come on, let's go back to God. He hurt us, but he'll heal us. Mm-hmm. He hit us hard, but he'll put us right again. In a couple of days, we'll feel better. By the third day, he'll have made us brand new, alive and on our feet, fit to face him. We're ready to study God, eager for God knowledge. As sure as dawn breaks, so sure is his daily arrival. He comes as rain comes, as spring rain refreshing the ground. So that I just noticed just now when you were reading it, there's another section in here that talks about him coming like the rain. I love that picture because rain does so much it when I think about the rain that used to come in Gitmo like it would wash the dust away we would Mm. want the rain to come and wash the dust away it it's refreshing it's cooling it causes growth like there are so many things that I feel like rain is such a picture of in chapter 10 verse 12 it says sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love Break up your unplowed ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. Yeah. That's so good. Second Timothy. Okay. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead to Titus, I think. That's and fine. What I'm about. Let's go to Titus. So Titus 3. Hmm. This is another one. I was like, I could probably read about I have the whole thing underlined. 
Yes, me too. Like I was like, this is, this is it. Those first couple verses, well, especially verse three, where he like lays out where we were and then verse four, but when the kindness of God, our savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Same thing as like the Daniel thing, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And then it keeps going. I underlined the whole thing and I'm like, well, here it is again. Like this is, I feel like that the end, like that, (laughs) that could be it. I mean, it's just rich. Like that's just one of a hundred thousand things you could take out of 11 verses. Mm-hmm. Like go back to verse one, remind the people to respect the government and be law abiding yes. always ready to lend a helping hand. No insults, no fights. Mm-hmm. And to be way, kind. Go ahead. Yeah. Should be big hearted and courteous. And then you jump down and it says, I want to put your, I want you to put your foot down, take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Stay away from mindless, pointless quarreling over genealogies and fine print in the law code. Holy moly. I could totally use my weekly truth. So the weekly truth I'm working on right now is about the mysteries. I think I told you that Mm -hmm. I was writing about the mysteries of the, of the Christian faith and how like he writes that right after the things that we quarrel about, right? These little things that, well, the, the, the fine print and the law code, these are the things that we quarrel about and we divide churches over. And I mentioned us in it, like that, how beautiful it is that like the things that you and I come at from different angles and we see differently, like just brings us closer to the things that would have, how does Eugene Peterson, he puts it, he's like, um, the things that are clear enough, which is, yeah. you know, that Jesus came, the spirit proved himself, proved Jesus to be God and he's in heaven in his full glory. Yeah. Period. Yep. The end. I just love that. I mean, he's take a firm stand on these matters so that those who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Stay away from mindless, pointless quarreling over genealogies and fine print in the law code. What does yours say there? It's it's verse eight. Verse nine, verse eight. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. Yeah. And then, like, he goes on and he says what you should do. Reject a divisive person after a first innocent warning. For you know that such a person has gone away and is sinning. He is self-condemned. He's not messing around. No, he's not messing around. And it's just so funny. Like, when you think about, you know, as I'm writing it, I'm thinking, man, like, I don't know that I would have seen this so clearly if we weren't pouring over all of the letters of Paul so quickly, but it's like the very things that we fight about are the, are the fine print details that Paul wrote. And Paul, if you're reading Paul, if you're paying attention to anything he's saying, he's like, it's not about the law state stop like this, the law and the, and the rules are going to strangle you. It's freedom to love. Mm -hmm. Like you have freedom within the law to love. Like that is what Christ's calling is. So folk and like, and he just sprinkles the gospel everywhere. The gospel, the mm-hmm. gospel, let's remember, mm-hmm. like, this is what it's yes. about. This is, what, this it's is about. what it's about. Yep. Yeah. And I just, it's, it's funny to have read through first and second Timothy so fast and go, all of this is sitting right here. And yet I only go to first or second Timothy so that I can find the scripture that I need to back up whatever yeah. it is that mm-hmm. we're quarreling about. Ugh. 
Paul. So I'm kind of like falling more in love with him again. You know, I don't, yes. I'm not a yeah. huge fan of Paul and his attitude. And then Philemon, we come, oh, how do you, Philemon? I say Philemon. Philemon. You're probably right. I have no idea. We come to that book and it's one page. It's not even a whole page, 25 oh. verses. If you were to summarize Philemon, how would well, you Well, the whole goal that Paul was trying to accomplish in that was to have someone respond out of love. When I was reading the background, like this is a letter that Paul wrote to one person because this person's slave ran away from him and ran into Paul and became, he becomes a believer when he, after he runs into Paul and Paul tells the slave Onesimus that the right thing for you to do is to go back to your owner but I'm also going to send this letter with you when you go back to your owner so that he's aware that you're not just a slave anymore, that you're now his brother, like, and my friend and my friend, right. And my friend. And that, because Paul loves this guy and Paul calls himself his father. Onesimus is now his son in the faith because Paul got to lead him to the Lord. And Paul said, okay, so there's a section where Paul basically tells Philemon, I could like, I'm, I'm an apostle and I have the authority to To tell you, you, yes, to tell you to give me Onesimus to serve me and that you need to just let it go. But I'm not going to do that because I think that there's more, you have, your faith is bigger than that. And I'm going to send this guy back to you with this letter. And I'm going to trust that you're going to do the right thing because we all are brothers in Christ and we all have been saved by the gospel. Like just I've never read Philemon with that whole big picture before. Like it's just been words. Yeah. But the story behind it is what gives it so much meaning, I think. The part that you pulled out, that's that was my favorite part, is that Paul is like, I could order you to do this. Mm-hmm. I could tell you this is what you must do because I know that you hold my word with so much weight. And I feel like this is where the gold is in the story. So Paul knows must know Philemon's character well mm-hmm. enough to know how he's going to receive this letter. There's that kind of as context, but I think what I love is Paul gives him liberty. He gives him freedom to choose mm. right and wrong. And either I th- one, I think that's so important. And, and he has faith that God's spirit will work it out in Philemon. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel like to some degree, like that's such a great picture of who we need to be with our brothers and sisters Our brothers and sisters. When we see them doing the wrong thing, we have the responsibility to call it out. But at the same time, it's not to reject them based on whether they do or they don't. It's more to like trust that God does the work in them, Mm -hmm. not us. And so to give them the free will to choose or not to choose. And if they choose not to, to trust God with that decision too. Do you know what I mean? Like Paul is sending this letter and he's sending Onesimus back to him and he doesn't really have control over what Philemon ends up doing. And we don't really know the end of the story, to be honest. Paul's just trusting. Paul's trusting God and Paul's trusting Philemon. And I think that there's a lot to be learned there. I feel mm-hmm. like so many times, I think how we exercise our faith most beautifully is entrusting God with people who we think are, who we see doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you still consider me a comrade in arms, welcome him back as you would me. 
If he damaged anything or owes you anything, chalk mm-hmm. it up to my account. Yeah, I love that too. This is my personal signature, Paul. He prefaces that in verse 10. He says, well, here in jail, I fathered a child. Here he is, hand carrying this letter, Onesimus. He's sending back his slave. The slave of yours is a child of mine, like beloved. He's my beloved. Yeah. Such a picture of Jesus. Yeah. Such a picture of Jesus. Can you imagine being Onesimus too? Like recognizing that there's a possibility that you could be walking back into a life of slavery again, like willingly, because there was no guarantee that Philemon was going to send him back Mm -hmm. to Paul or. I mean, that is a picture of becoming Christ's disciple. He loves us. God becomes a father to us. And yet he sends us into the world. No. And we are, and we should be expecting things aren't going to all be peachy and beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. Paul is sending Onesimus back with a new identity. Right. As a believer, I can say is enough. You can go back and withstand any cir- any circumstance or how you're treated by anybody else if you know who you are. If you know mm-hmm. who you are, it doesn't matter how anybody treats you or how anybody else sees you because you know you belong to God. Should we wait on Hebrews? Should we just talk about Hebrews all together? Yeah, let's talk about Hebrews all together. I'm so excited to be in Hebrews. I know. I'm excited for you. (laughs) It's been such a long time since I've studied it for sure, but even just sat down and read the whole thing. So I'm excited. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab, and we will see you next week.